What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Good Karma Wrestling, along with Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. I'm Jonathan Hood from ESPN Without Chicago, and of course, our colleague Gabe Neitzel. Well, he's on assignment this week. Uh, he's covering Women of Wrestling for the CW Network, so he's not with us now, Rowitz. The guy's all over the place. You got to appreciate that from him. Doing site surveys, apparently, for the NWA over at the CW Network. I mean, you know, he loves golf, so Live Golf, NWA, Women of Wrestling, he's all about it. The big three, as they call them. <laughs> it is the big three. So, so, so Gabe is not with us, but we've got so much. We've got not one, but we've got two great guests for you. We will talk to Mickey James, the Impact for Impact Wrestling. So, Bound for Glory is going to take place, bro. It's in Chicago at Cicero Stadium on yep. Saturday. And Mickey James will take on Trinity for the Impact Knockouts Championships. It's going to be great to hear from Mickey James. Yeah, so uh, an awesome career. We could talk to her about some other things, like maybe her husband making a big WWE debut this week. Yes, we could talk about that with her. And also another great guest, WWE superstar Drew McIntyre is going to stop by the show as well. So usually we have one, but we've got an action-packed, Two big guests, Drew McIntyre, who is trying to find himself. You know, the Royal Rumble is going to be uh, in Tampa, St. Pete in January, and Drew's going to talk about that and what's going on with his career as well. Yeah, we get to talk about our areas. You know, like you said, Bound for Glory coming to Chicago. The Rumble comes to Florida. Not quite West Palm, but Tampa-ish. It's a short drive. You can do it in a day. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. Drew comes on to talk about that. But some pretty cool guests. I'm some excited about those conversations. No question about that. And don't forget, everybody, to like, share, and subscribe Good Karma Wrestling. We're on podcasts as well. You can find us on Twitter, X, at GKW underscore wrestling. And, of course, on YouTube as well. Subscribe and let people know that we're talking wrestling every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Good Karma Wrestling. Subscribe to the YouTube. We're growing every day, and we've got clips every day, if you missed it, right there on YouTube for Good Karma Wrestling. All right, we got so much to get in on this hour plus of Good Karma Wrestling. Let's start with the lead story from uh, for Good Karma Wrestling. What do we have, Brian, as far as our lead story here for GKW? Last night, Sting in front of a eh, crowd in AEW Dynamite announced that his last match will take place Revolution 2024, the same pay-per-view where he had his first AEW match. So we'll start with this. Who should Sting's last match be against? Well, I think that uh, the three of us on the show with, uh, with Gabe have talked about how Darby Allen and Sting should be the final match. And it makes me wonder if this final match is going to be a tag team match. Does Sting have enough in him to be able to have a singles match. It's the one thing we have not seen. So, right. so, bro, so bro, it's, it, this goes back a long way for me. So, I remember as a kid in the mag, you know, going to the magazines, going to the local White Hen or whatever it was, right, and seeing like Sting and Dingo Warrior at the time, or or like you know the the tag team of the Blade Runners. So Sting and the Ultimate Warrior, and they were together as a tag team. And boy, they were green as grass, but they were big and muscular, and they were different, right? To see Sting go from there as a tag team wrestler to be in this big penultimate matchup with Ric Flair at the Clash of Champions uh, 1 was amazing to see. And it really was the coming out party for Sting against Ric Flair. He goes on to win the World Championship in 1990, but Sting was always cool. Whether it was blonde sting, whether it was dark hair sting, he was always cool. And for him to just come out there in Rosenberg, Texas and go, yeah, by the way, for real this time, I'm going to retire. You know, it's funny. It, we didn't talk ever on this show about, boy, that's enough of that sting. We got to stop right. seeing sting. But it looks like he's going to end it for real at Revolution. Well, so sort of along that point, 
there's no date, there's no venue, there's no tickets yet for Revolution. There's at least one, if not two shows between now and Revolution. What was the point of that announcement last night? I guess they just want to just plant the seed that wherever it's going to be, get your tickets. Now, it's interesting. It can't be in Los Angeles where he's from and where he started right. because you've got uh, full gear at the Forum in Inglewood, California, coming up in November. So it's not there. Could it be in Texas when he was in world class? Could it be some in a, another place? I'm not sure exactly where it's going to be, but it's almost like, and this is actually a good job by AW. And just so you know, I'm going to be retiring soon. And so whenever that is, get your tickets because this will be the last time you'll see Sting. But it also, because the AEW feels like they're going to do this and then tickets are going to go on sale in two months and we're not going to have seen Sting. And it's like, oh, yeah, is that the show I'm supposed to buy tickets for? It's just very odd timing and it looks like they're going to move it forward next week. Tony's giving him a gift. So we have that to look forward to on Dynamite next week. That's just that's kind of weird. So like it'll be a rocking chair or like uh, maybe a bucket of paint. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's a bat, be. a new bat, maybe. Yes. Imagine this though. Again, this is about hindsight. The way I look at it now, if you're going to put AW on the road, if you're ever going to do it, this is the time to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the last time you'll see Sting in this city. Go to all those towns. Have a couple. Of, have some house shows every week. Put Sting on it. If Sting wrestles fine or if he just shows up fine, uh, last time to get an autograph or to be able to see Sting in a ring. But they're not going to do it that way because, just to be honest, AEW's done a really good job of taking care of Sting. Mm-hmm. AEW's done a better job than WWE did as far as handling The Undertaker toward the end. They kept Sting special. He doesn't talk all the time, doesn't wrestle all the time. He does make appearances, but it's not like they've overdone Sting. So, I mean, if it's me, like, I'm doing getting as much merchandise out there. I'm trying to sell as many tickets to see Sting for the last time. But Sting pretty much said, okay, I'm going to be 65 here. And it's like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Why do I keep coming out here? So, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be end of an era because I'm a Sting fan. I, I love how AEW's kept them special. But, man, I just – um I just think that if I'm AEW, I'm definitely doing a full court press to get as many, much money around the Sting name as possible. I, I think that makes plenty of sense. It's been 20 matches in a little under three years. Like you said, no singles matches. Does the last match have to be a singles match? I, I think that he can do it if it's if it's a short match. Sure. You know, so that's the thing. Like Darby yeah. is the obvious answer, but like I started thinking, is there someone else that you can put him in with that can sort of carry him through ten minutes and maybe sort of get that rub at the end? Like the one of the names I wrote down was Swerve. Swerve works, yeah. Like yeah. Swerve gets that elevation. Like Ricky Starks. Like I'm thinking of some of their top heels that need something. One of those guys carrying him around for 10 minutes, him doing what he has to do and going out on his back, like that could be a special moment for one of those young guys in that company. I, I know we don't do TNA nostalgia, but <laughs> could that be Christian against Sting? Because you sure. remember the pop, right? In in the UK, I think, was that Christian and Sting in the same ring? Yeah, part of the tag match, yeah. Yeah, and then the fans were chanting TNA. I'm like, yes. what? <laughs> of all things to chant, like people remember, like it shows you people were watching but didn't want to admit it. Right. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. So I saw them. I remember that uh, in the UK, that big crowd they had. And as soon as you saw Christian on one side, Sting on the other, people started chanting <laughs> TNA, of all things. TNA. That is true. Well, I guess in that situation, that's a way for Sting to go out as a winner. Because 
I've debated whether like he has to go out with the loss or does he go out having never suffered a pin in AEW, go out undefeated. To me, I would love to see one of these young guys get to pin him and be the guy that ultimately pins Sting in his final match. So that wouldn't leave a sour taste in your mouth? No, not at all. I think it's Sting's one of those old guys. It's the way to do business. Like I think it's be awesome for him to do that. I agree with you, and he'd still get the same ovation if he won or right. he lost, right? Because um, I think that Sting, I mean, really old school guy. Even though feels he feels new school yeah. because with that face paint, he still looks young. It's not like he's hurting at all. He's still <laughs> diving off the balconies. Like he's doing shit that I've never seen before. <laughs> Like, they wouldn't allow that in Mid-South. They would not right. allow that in WCW, TNA, all the play WWE for the short stint. But for him to be doing what the young guys do, it's like, it, it, first of all, that's leading by example. And he's like, right. it's 2023. I'm going to just dive off of that balconies now. Like, what? Sting, you're 64 years old. Why are you doing it? And not hurt, by the way. Um, I, I suppose you are right. That's the right way to go about it. Time out of tradition. You lose the match. Okay, and then you get a ovation afterwards. You know how Tony Khan is, though. He just thinks that it'd be great if he beats one of these, you know, current, you know, regular superstars. I don't know right. if that's the way to go. You're the historian. You don't want to see an old feud. You don't want to see him flare, him and Steamboat. You and I sat next to you. Steamboat still got the chops. <laughs> no, I don't you don't want to see that one more time? No, no. You know why? Because Steamboat's never been booed before. <laughs> he doesn't want to be booed. And like he, I saw him in Chicago again, pulling out the same stuff from the eighties. The old chops, you know, that still works today. The yeah. old kung fu. It's like, what is he doing? Those 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 violent chops from Steamboat, you know, those things. It got the job done. <laughs> it still works today, you know. Uh, I I just I'm just happy that Sting made his announcement. Um. In Rosenberg, Texas, I think it was mixed because they're like, "Oh man, don't leave! Right. You've been great." And he, like, and by the way, Sting's never really been a great promo. He he act he really hasn't. I mean, I've watched him since 1987. Okay, that's that's how far back. <laughs> I mean, he's never really been a great promo, but he had a the mic by himself, and he just kind of they gave him all the time in the world to to say it. It wasn't like the crowd was 100 percent like sad, but right. they were I think leaning in interested to find out what's next with Sting. Yeah, that was very odd. Even the reaction, like the diff, you had just reactions to names, like the pop for the Steiners, the booing of Hogan. Like yes. it was just very odd. And like I said, that crowd overall wasn't great last night. So it was just weird to have him in that spot. And even the way he was sort of teasing it, like, Oh, I don't want to say that word. It's like, Oh, so this is where we're going right now. Like, yeah. and it's, Oh, it's happening in five months. So like, I guess it is a farewell tour and Sting deserves that. Yeah. But it was just very odd to see it last night. I just – you didn't expect it. That's all right. because you thought Sting would live forever. That, that's why <laughs> – I mean, but you know what? I, I'm happy for him that he made that decision, bro. It's because, you know, I, I just think about, like, his his run for the NWA championship was so huge because it felt like something different. Mm-hmm. After the, all the 80s dominance of Harley Race and Ric Flair, here's Sting just out of a box, you know, platinum blonde, all this energy. And he, you know, he gets an opportunity for the championship and he has a 45 minute draw with, uh, with Ric Flair, at the clash of champions, 89, he was supposed to win the championship. He's in a six man tag team match. Somehow Sting is part of the horseman. He gets kicked out of the horseman. Sting is climbing the cage in Corpus Christi, trying to get after the horseman that told him you're no longer a horseman of Ole Anderson and Art Anderson. He slips on the cage 
and screws up his knee. So he couldn't wrestle at the Great American Bash. 1990, July 7th, I think I might have that right, July 7th, 1990, he wins the championship. He wins the championship, and it's the 90s, right? It's early 90s. It's a little murky. People are tired of Hulkamania, tired of the baby face. It was just kind of a, a very difficult time. So Sting still rules in WCW, and people still respect him. That whole NWO thing where he didn't speak for a year. Right. It's bizarre, by the way. He's on <laughs> camera, but he's crow-sting. Uh-huh. So he goes from uh, Bleach Blonde Sting to Platinum to, to Dark Sting. He's got the big trench coat. It, it got over. How can you get over and be one of the top guys in merchandise after the NWO when you don't speak at all? Right. Finally wins a championship against Hogan, which is cool. I think that that was fine. That whole thing with the, the WWE, we all agree that that was horrible. You know, that, I mean, after his TNA run, don't forget the TNA run, by the way, because Dixie Carter loved him. He was a draw for TNA. Um, and people kept asking during that TNA time, why don't you go to WWE? Why don't you go to And he was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and we thought he'd be the last one, right? The old, the last guy was like, I'm never going to WWE. And finally, he gets talked into it. And it was a shitty run. The way that they mishandled that, they bungled it. They made it seem like it was WCW against WWE again, which was ridiculous with the yep. WrestleMania in San Francisco and the Bay Area. And then just to see him now, man, it's just people's always had a lot of respect for Sting. And so I'm glad he's going to go out on his terms. And I think there's something to like the longevity. Like you mentioned Taker, where it was one character all the way through. It was a, obviously a Hall of Fame career. But like in real sports, when we talk about the Bradys and LeBrons, we're like, They've had two, if not three, Hall of Fame careers. Sting is sort of in that boat. Like, I feel like you can put the Bleach Blonde Sting in its own Hall of Fame and say, this is the hell of a career, and then take the Crow one also and say, oh, that's a Hall of Fame career also. And then, like you mentioned, even some of the Impact stuff and some of the Joker Sting, like reinventing himself and continuing to be top of the game. Like, that says a lot about him. Joker Sting came out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> that was so entertaining. But for, because I didn't know there was another gear in Sting. Right. Like, that was a surprise. It was one of the few things I really liked on Impact or TNA Wrestling. I'm like, sure. whoa, Sting's going nuts. <laughs> this is interesting. He but we're to... seeing that new gear now, like you said. We're seeing him dive off of stuff at 60 that even he's like, I didn't know I could do that. Like Darby said, let's try this. And there he goes. <laughs> he just, I mean, uh, you think that would have happened in the 80s when we saw some crazy stuff right. like that. But Sting's doing this late in his career. So it's definitely out of fun. So all the best to Sting. I, I say like him against Darby doesn't have to be babyface versus heel match because sure. Darby doesn't have to turn because he's got his own issues clearly right. uh, that's happening in AEW. So all the best to stay. I can't wait to see what's next for him. Well, as we mentioned, we have a couple of great guests that we're going to have on here at Good Karma Wrestling. Again, like, share, subscribe our podcast, and of course, subscribe on YouTube as well. Here comes Mickey James here. You talk about one of the all-time greats, Impact Wrestling. Bountiful Glory going to take place in Chicago uh, this upcoming Saturday at the Cicero Stadium in Chicago. You can watch it on Fight TV, F-I-T-E, Fight TV. Mickey James against Trinity. Our conversation with the great Mickey James right here on Good Karma Wrestling. Good Karma Wrestling rolls on right here with Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. I'm Jonathan Hood from ESPN Chicago, and it's bound for glory. Bro, it's, you know where the heart of wrestling is. It's Chicago, Illinois. It always is. Your and backyard. Bound, of course, and it's bound for glory uh, at Cicero Stadium in Chicago. You can watch it on Fight TV, F-I-T-E, Fight TV. Uh, and Bound for Glory is going to take place this Saturday, October 21st. 
the main event for me is the knockout women's championship with Mickey James taking on Trinity. And we just happen to have Mickey James right here from Series 6 on Busted Open and challenging for the knockouts championship. Mickey, it's Jonathan and uh, Brian Rowich, as always. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're so kind. Oh, now listen, I want to talk to you about the knockouts. Before we talk about Bomb for Glory, you know what's really been the test of, you know, really has um, lasted the test of time is the knockouts division for well over a decade. You know, why has the women's division and the knockouts been so sustainable in this company? I think because women strive to come to Impact Wrestling. I think that if they, they know that if they're, you know, if they have their sights set on, even if they have their sights set on in goal WWE, that they know that the place to really hone in on your talent and to be challenged the most and to get the most opportunities as a knockout is Impact Wrestling. And I think that's because of the precedent that was set when the knockouts division was created, when it was truly formed, um, that the women were equal. And we were the same and we would get equal time and equal opportunities and, you know, not just like opportunities of, oh, the style matches, but time on television of like creating your character and telling those in-depth stories of why you're having a match in the first place, you know, to get to that moment, to make that moment feel so. So all of that. um, And I think it was something special and unique because if you remember when the knockouts division was being created Women were not, you know, getting time like that. We're not getting types of matches like that on television. Um, and they were being portrayed in a very different light. And nothing, I mean, I was a wrestling fan and that I fell in love with wrestling and got into wrestling as women um, were doing all kinds of crazy things from, you know, we, we say that, but, you know, Trish and Lita main eventing and, you know, Victoria and Trish having a hardcore match. I mean, those were groundbreaking for the time, especially, you know, for that company, it was huge. It was huge, massive steps, but impact was always, you know, I feel like highlighting their women, um, in a whole different way in a whole different way. And I think because of that, they're a real catalyst and, you know, the give women's wrestling a chance. I, I, I truly believe that because I think that fans could see what women were capable of when given those opportunities. Um, so yeah, I, I I just feel like the division's always stood in its own like uh, own kind of level. And also because they don't have like a cookie cutter mold of what an athlete is. You know, every female, every woman in that roster, every knockout is so different and they're so dynamic. You know, um, they're just stylistically the way they move, the way they carry themselves, their characters, their backgrounds everything is so different and it really is like a melting pot of God, what America is, you know, it's a little bit of everything. It's like a gumbo. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> it's a bit of a gumbo. If you're into gumbo. Surprisingly, I'm hungry, bro. It's what it's <laughs> I know. Well, I just ate. I'm so sorry. I had turkey chili. So it's cold outside. And I'm like, I would say chili, but chili is just kind of beans and meat. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, sort of along those lines, you talk about the give women a chance and things like that. For you that's put your body into this, what is that pride factor like when you see the reaction of like, hey, we want more women's wrestling? It's not just like, all right, we got a th- one throwaway match. People are yearning for more. What's that pride factor like for you personally? Um, it's exciting. I, You know, I don't take – I mean, obviously, I take a little bit of pride into it because, you know, it's 
I felt like it's been a long time coming in the sense of now we can see a women's match headline WrestleMania. We can see, I mean, Impact does it all the time. Uh, certainly, I've been a part where we've been the main event of the pay-per-view or a main event of television. Um, and you can see that across the board. But I don't know if pride is the word that I would use because when I look at it, I go, God, it took, I've been doing this over 20 years now and it took that whole time. But I also think about the women who came before me and who were on television before me getting those opportunities and knocking it out of the park to show that we were worthy of an opportunity like that. So um, I never like to take credit for any of that because I feel like it's been a long paved road with a lot of potholes and a lot of bumps um, along the way from a lot of women's hard work, uh, you know, and women that I admire. But it certainly is uh, pretty amazing to still be in it on this side and still be a part of it and can be an active woman in the roster to still perhaps reap one or two of the benefits of being seen equal in in this new landscape, you know, so... Mickey, how would you uh, classify the state of Impact Wrestling right now? What do you think of the, the way the company's going? Um, wow, that's a that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a change in the air, and I feel like a lot of people who perhaps may have been sleeping on Impact, and you know, there's been like a whole whole lot of like team a versus team b and team b versus team a and it's like everybody has to pick a side pick a side pick a side and the whole time like impact has been the net if you will that everyone's shooting over when the sense of like they've been i've always given a lot of uh, credit to impact i think that you can't deny 20 some years of history and you look at the roster and the people that have come through impact and there's a reason why it has the library it has it's had the talent that it's had it's had you know everyone who you see who you see on like television and you see like oh major star aj styles samoa joe all of these people they were impact they were tna you know and it was because of those opportunities and those like x division style matches and these different types of way to present wrestling and to to present these characters um, that really made people fall in love with them. And you look at some of their, their stuff that they were doing there and now they're getting to do that at WWE or they're doing it at AEW. But I don't know. I feel like honestly, like 2024, I don't know. I just feel really good about it. I feel really, really good about it. Um, I say, Oh, people have been sleeping on impact, but maybe it's like the quiet little monster. And then, You know, people are going to be reminded, oh, yeah, Impact is one of the best shows on television. Your opponent, and I said it. Your opponent Saturday in that championship match, Trinity, sort of a similar career path, a new, you know, lease on life in Impact. Fans haven't really gotten to see her work. What do you see when you watch Trinity in the ring? Um, God, I've always been blown away by Trinity. I feel like her athleticism, her explosive. Uh, her originality like she does so so different like she and she's always doing something different and surprising us um her creativity and just she's so fun and i mean i don't know how anyone can watch her and not love her because i watch her and i get excited you know she, she just brings uh this this new level of energy and i think it's refreshing for the locker room for impact too because Here's a new star, someone who's never been 
you know, and never been on the independence period, never been anywhere but WWE. So we've only seen her through a WWE lens and through those opportunities that she had. And she had some pretty amazing opportunities. And now don't get me wrong. And she had some great matches there. But I think that we're getting ready. We're seeing now Trinity in 20-minute matches and Trinity in these real tests of these knock uh, to, to be a, a you know the knockouts world champion and to walk in and say I'm coming to be the champion um, and then to go on and dominate and win the championship but not just win the championship but win the people over and the, where the people genuinely really love her and are behind her so so much um, and I'm sure it was a scary place for her to transition from this world that she knew and it was all that she knew to then step into these waters where, you know, impact is a different breed than WWE. You know, there's a lot of people like everybody who's at impact want it to be wrestlers. You know, there's, they train their whole lives, you know, their whole careers for this. Whereas, you know, other places they didn't, they didn't necessarily do that. So it wasn't their dream. It wasn't their passion. They just happened to get an amazing opportunity and took, took advantage of it. And don't get me wrong. There's a ton of people who, it is their dream and they're I'm grateful that they're there right. and they but I'm saying it's, it's a more part of people's purposes and, and the people's drive to be there. Whereas impact there's everybody has one drive and that is to be the best. And because you love it and this is what your dream is. Um, and so I think that it probably was for her, like really testing coming in going like, how are people going to perceive me? How are the wrestler? How's the wrestling fans going to perceive me? Cause I'm coming in from a different world. Um, so I think it was a massive test for her, but I feel like I can see her confidence in the ring and how much she's grown in that just in her short tenure so far at being at impact. So I hope, you know, she continues to grow and continues to kick ass. Hopefully not mine <laughs> because I, you know, want to be champion as bad as she does. Yeah, Mickey James against Trinity for the Knockouts World Championship. We're talking to Mickey James. Bound for Glory, by the way, taking place this Saturday, Cicero Stadium in Chicago. You, it's sold out, but I got a ticket. I got a ticket. But, yeah, you do. Fight TV is where you can watch it. F I T E Fight TV. Let me follow up on what you were talking about, Mickey. So, what was that transition like for you? Because, for, I'm sure, for Trinity, from her standpoint, it's like. So I got to set up my merch table. Um, so I'm going where? I, I'm going to what small town? Uh, like I'm in the main event where? Who am I facing? What was that uh, that transition like for you post-WWE? Um, well, which time? <laughs> which time are we talking here? Yes, the, that time, yeah. The first, this time or the first yes, time? Yes, either one. Both. Okay, well, so the first time... It took a lot of convincing for me because I felt like I was going backwards in my career because I had started at Impact. It was TNA, NWA TNA at the time. I'd started there. It took a hell of a lot of convincing. It took Dixie Carter calling me several times and telling me, you know, I promise you won't regret it. It's going to be awesome. It took Kurt Angle. Thank God for because I think had Kurt, Kurt Angle was the icing on the cake who truly, and I love Dixie. I love her so much and I'm grateful that she called me, but I think had Kurt not called me, I would have probably still stuck with my no, like I'm okay. Because I was so heartbroken at the time. I felt like I'd lost my dream. I'd really screwed up. Um, but my whole world was over, like the whole, all the gamut of, and it, you know, it, even still when I was having my run with WWE, I felt like I was still healing 
uh, from like a broken, like I, like I was divorced almost, you know, like I'm a broken relationship and it was like, when you have an opportunity to achieve the dream and then you lose it, it's pretty earth shattering, I think. And especially for a young Mickey James who was still, um, unsure of herself and not very confident at that time. It was, you know, definitely an ego blow for sure. Um, but then coming in and then, you know, being able to write my own entrance music and them supporting my music career so much. Uh, I mean, we would do after parties and stuff like that, but all the, you know, the matches and the different, you know, tests I had and the, 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 you know, the boundaries, I had no boundaries. Like I had no, um, there was nothing stopping me from being anything and everything that I wanted to be. Right. Like I had full creative control in that capacity, obviously working with Vince Russo or whoever it might be, but I had a lot of creative freedom. And I think freedom is something that you can't put a price tag on, uh, when you are a creative person, especially because you don't want to feel shackled or you don't want to feel limited in that respect. Um, and the second time coming back was um, incredible in the sense that the reason why I went back to Impact was after Empower. And I felt like the beauty of, I was so grateful for everything they did with myself and with NWA and taking the time in their own programming to highlight this all women's pay-per-view that they knew my purpose was behind it. And they knew the why as to why it was so important important to me and why it still is so important to me. Um, I felt like they were a huge catalyst in, in the success of that and coming out of that. And so I wasn't really expecting to return to the ring. And then obviously I love wrestling. I've loved wrestling since the first time I stepped into the ring and I will forever love wrestling. Um, and I wanted to just make sure I got through empower first. And that was about women's wrestling and it was about highlighting the women out there killing it at that time. Um, and then after that was through, you know, the opportunity presented itself to come back and, you know, maybe fight for the championship or, and I was like, you know what? I think hardcore country could go one more time, you know, and really, and then I'm so grateful I did because the last rodeo happened. Royal rumble happened with the knockouts world championship, something that would never, I'd never anticipated and never expected. And I'm incredibly grateful for, for both companies to allow that to happen. And, and it's a bit of magic, you know? So, um, I think that my career is a testament to, you can never, don't be sad in the moments of like, when you feel like everything is lost, because sometimes it just means that your biggest blessings are in front of you. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to get discouraged and to accept defeat, or you can accept it as a small little hiccup in the road, or what did I say? A pothole, pothole yeah. a little <laughs> pothole in the road. You might need to change the tire and, you know, keep it rolling. So you mentioned that Royal Rumble appearance. We talked about Forbidden Doors, and your house might be the biggest Forbidden Door. You have a Rumble appearance. On Friday, you're tweeting about how handsome the SmackDown GM is. How He's important for wrestling so fans? Dreamy. <laughs> God, I'm a looking and I'm a lacking. <laughs> well, from a wrestling standpoint, as fans that love this sport and love this business, how important is it to have all these options and for your household to be one to say, Look, it can work. We don't have to have this tribalism. Yeah. This is the house of all dis wrestling. 
Um, no, it's incredible. And I think it's so funny that people still don't know. And I guess it's because we've never really done the power couple on sure. television or our characters are so different different our person you know our on-screen characters are so different like obviously we've done it in real life but as far as what wrestling fans see which they follow wrestling programming they've never really seen us together so a lot of people still don't even realize that we are married and have been for a long time um i tell you i'm so excited for him and i'm so proud of him it's been a long long time coming you know he's this is his dream too it's always been his dream since he was a little boy you know And, and we uh, found each other at Impact Wrestling at TNA at the time in like 2011. And uh, I think a lot of people underestimated him or don't really, he's not been given an opportunity to truly shine for one reason or another. And I think that, you know, marriage is about sacrifices and balances. And I think that he um, sacrificed, especially the the second time I went back to WWE, he sacrificed a lot, you know, um, so, cause I was on the road full time and with our son and with his career and, uh, different things. And so I just think that it's time and it's so, I'm so grateful that he's finally getting an opportunity to show the world who he is, because I've always thought that obviously looks aside talent in ring, um, just his charisma and he's so articulate and he can really captivate an audience and he's so well-spoken. I think this role is perfect for him. I think he's going to, obviously I have faith in him that he's going to nail it and knock it out of the park. Um, But I really hope that the uh, WWE universe like really embraces him and loves him for the talent um, that he is. Uh, all in his own right, you know. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited about the future in that respect. We were, before we recorded, I was telling Brian, I said, it's, I don't know, that pull apart, it was him looking at Cody Rhodes and I got goosebumps. I'm like, what if? Ooh, like, revisited. Yeah, what if? Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, obviously, and I, I think he would never say this, but I will say this. There was a match at All In that was the one of the most talked about that first ever All In that was uh, the most talked about match of probably that whole pay-per-view. And a lot of people talk about one person in that match, but they forget there was another person in that match that, and the reason why it was so special was because the story that they told coming into there. And it was a moment. And it was this moment that people were really just like salivating over. Um, and it was really, really special. You know, it was very, very special. And I know he's super and always has been super proud of that. Uh, but so then to see that, and that was one of his first, you know, aside from the moment in the ring with uh, Hunter Triple H, which um, Nick, I don't know if he's ever said this. I feel like he has said it publicly, but Nick, but Hunter is like one of his idols as far as in wrestling, um, along with Bret Hart is number one. So Hunter might be number two or three. <laughs> Bret Hart is number one. Uh, but to see him in the to own that moment and to have that moment with Dom where he totally cooked him like a rotisserie chicken, cooked, burnt, yes, burnt to a crisp. Um, but yeah, so where he cooked him there, and then to have that moment later with Cody where it was kind of full circle because the way you know the over the shoulder and to be, it was it was cool. It was cool, and I think it plants little seeds of like, oh, the what ifs, and if people remember, or you never know. 
you never know, but yeah. He, uh, he still carries his gear, doesn't he? I mean, he should. I hope so. It's <laughs> uh-huh. the number one rule in wrestling. Always have your gear. Always, oh. just in case. Boy, Although, before we let you go, Mickey, with the Saturday Night the- Chicago. Wait, what, there's yeah. more. What, what, however, what? What's that? Well, I was going to say, as this GM role, would he really have gear, or would he be in a full three-piece suit? Well, he's going to hate me for that, because, God, if they make him wrestle in a three-piece, he's like, not my custom suit! <laughs> <laughs> before we let you go, Saturday Sorry. night, Impact, Chicago Bound Floor. We know you versus Trinity, top of the card. What other matches are you looking forward to that fans say, okay, this one might be able to steal a show from you guys? Oh my God, Alex Shelley, you know, is going to kill it. Like I'm always, I'm always excited about that. Um, I'm excited about the Knockouts Tag Title match. I'm excited. I'm excited about the whole card. You look at this card, and it's intense. Like there's so many. Like every match on the card is going to be a banger. If that's what the kids say, banger. And so it's going to be an exciting night. It's going to be an exciting night for the fans. And obviously Chicago always shows up and shows out. I've been blessed to make a lot of history in Chicago. I hope to do it again, bound for glory. Um, But it's going to be an incredible night for everyone, especially for us wrestlers in the back, because we're going to be watching what the match is doing, going like, oh, because you know there's always that whole, oh, follow that voice. Don't forget... It is uh, Mickey James will take on Trinity. Uh, World Knockouts Championship will be on the line. You can watch that on Fight TV, FITV, Fight TV. And, of course, you can catch Mickey James on Busted Open with our buddy Dave LaGreca. And so you can check that out. That's good to be able to spread your wings, right? Being on radio. Oh, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's different. Because I, always, I forget sometimes that it's radio and people can't actually see what you're doing. And I laugh a lot. A lot. And usually it's at people's faces, but people don't understand that why I'm just like chuckling in the corner. Anyway, that's a sidebar. (laughs) We appreciate it and good luck at uh, Bountiful Glory in Chicago. We'll see you there. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great conversation with Mickey James. Again, Impact Wrestling, Mickey James against Trinity. And it's, by the way, great for Trinity as well because Trinity will be taking on, again, a great Mickey James. That actually should be the main event on that card. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see those two. Trinity has really stepped up her game and impact in the new stage. It'll be fun to see those two in the ring. You know, bro, it's, we still have more for this number one, right? This is the biggest number one yeah. we've ever had in Good Karma Wrestling because not only do we have Mickey James, but you got a chance to talk to a WWE superstar. That's right. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, Royal Rumble tickets go on sale. It'll be at the Trop this year. I'm going to almost guarantee there'll be more tickets to the Rumble than the Rays playoff game. But it'll be here in the Sunshine State. Drew McIntyre, the 2020 winner of the Rumble, former world champion. He joined to talk about the Rumble and his journey as well. Unnecessary. Welcome back in. Good karma wrestling. Before you know it, the road to WrestleMania will be underway. And this year, that road starts in Florida. The Royal Rumble, January 27th in Tampa. Tickets on sale tomorrow, Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern on Ticketmaster. And join us now. He's a former winner of the match 2020, Drew McIntyre. Join us. Drew, we'll start talking Rumble. You won in 2020. What is that feeling like at the end of that match when you realize you're the last man standing in that match? Overwhelming, completely overwhelming, uh, especially for myself. 
with uh, the journey that I've been on my whole career and all the ups and downs. And when I was a kid, I was supposed to be the future of the company, supposed to have won a bunch of Royal Rumbles, supposed to have won a bunch of titles, but it didn't quite go that way. And then I got my butt fired and had to find my way back to WWE, find my way back to the top of the mountain and finally break through that glass ceiling by winning the Royal Rumble in 2020. 40,000 people going crazy at the end when they potentially could have booed because Edge had made his comeback to WWE after nine years of missing, of being missing and retired. He was never going to wrestle again. And there he was wrestling in the Royal Rumble. And I was thinking while I was in there, oh, well, if I win, uh, when I win, uh, they might boo like they have in the past when Roman Reigns won and Batista won. So I might be one of those guys that get booed for winning. Uh, thankfully, uh, they didn't boo. They cheered. Uh, it was a very, very special moment and 100% top five moments in my career. That moment led to a title win at WrestleMania in an empty stadium, not in front of fans. How much do you still think about that moment and how it could have been different with 70 to 90,000 people cheering you on? I try not to dwell on it too much, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've got got feelings about it that um, I'm talking about on TV now. I guess I'm therapy sessions live on the air these days of, you know, what really is going on uh, deep inside. Um because the truth is, I didn't grow up hoping to win the Royal Rumble, then go to WrestleMania and win it in front of nobody. But obviously, we couldn't have predicted a worldwide pandemic. And um, as much as it was an ideal, you know, my match is a very feel-good story. We'd taken WrestleMania over two days for the first time. I was going to be in that last match, main event, and maybe make some people smile during a time where people needed to smile, where people were scared. So um, I took that responsibility on, you know, happily. Um, I'm very proud of what I was able to do in WWE did during that time to help people escape. But, you know, nonetheless, I, I lost out on a lot of moments, a lot of character building and moments, a lot of connection with the fans moments that you can't really capture once that, that initial period's passed, that first title reign has passed. So, you know, as much as I'm proud of it at the same time, you've got those feelings inside of, man, I need to need of that moment again. Like, I'm just going to have to work hard and recreate it, which... I did somehow with Clash of the Castle in the UK and then, you know, got bumped out of that one again. So some other less, uh, I don't know, less mentally strong people because of my journey might have cracked, but I kept fighting on, hopefully find that moment again. And we've got Seth Rollins coming up. So hopefully finally get that moment with the world title in front of fans. You talk about that journey. It's a unique one. And like you said, you had all the hype coming in. You end up getting fired. You go reinvent yourself. You come back, and now here you are, top of the mountain again. How much do you hope guys and girls, when they see that end of the line possibly in sight, use you as motivation, saying, hey, this isn't the end of the line. Let's hit the drawing board and really can you know redo things now. I mean, I hope they are um, inspired. And from what I gather, the company literally tells people, kind of, uh, you know, do a Drew. Um, like my brother once said, you've become a verb. Um, to kind of go out there and reinvent yourself, grow your brand, and you know make yourself more valuable. And I believe that's the advice the company literally gives people. And some of the superstars that are released uh, come to me and ask advice. And hopefully they'll look at the template of uh, what I did. Because when I left, the model was usually take that WWE character, take it around the world, get paid X amount. The second time around, you'll make a little less. And finally, you'll find a wage that you stop on, and that'll be your wage. And hopefully one day you'll make it back to WWE. You know, uh, my business mindset, that was terrible business sense. It's like, I'm absolutely not doing that. I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to show what I can truly do. Social media is becoming really 
big, which it was becoming huge in 2014. I can take everyone around the world with me on my journey. And I'm really going to reinvent uh, what it means to be an independent wrestler. And thankfully, a lot of people believed in me, gave me a lot of opportunities, a lot of platforms to show what I could do. And um, it really succeeded. And everybody can follow that. You know, the next guy was Cody Rhodes. And, uh, you know, he had his own version, which led to the creation of another company. And you watch Matt Cardona now. And, um, you know, Cody and I eventually kind of went to the TV level. Matt's been able to keep on that independent level, but really, you know, become, you know, super popular, super successful. And he's got that carny in him that never truly had. Well, he's doing very, very well. <laughs> well, for you then, we've talked to Matt Cardona about it, the way he's reinvented himself. He's hit his own top of the mountain. Was WWE always the goal when you're reinventing? Or was there, hey, this is what I'm going to do forever now? Initially, WWE was the goal. If you listen to my interview with Jericho and his podcast, it was the first thing I did. I said, I'm going to go out by myself and then, you know, I'll be back home. So all these people I grew up with, not just on TV, but all the people that work backstage, I've been there forever and are still there to this day. So, you know, I'll be back to, you know, my second family one day and then intended it to be quick. But the way things worked out and how successful I was out with the company, not just like financially, but also just creatively so fulfilled and know I was doing this with my friends and with my own vision. I eventually got to the point where I was like, I don't know if I will be back. Um, you know, I think I want to tackle this next, go here next, I go to Japan next. And I had a kind of idea in my head of what I was going to do. And it wasn't until I you know, spoke to William Regal on the phone and spoke to, to Hunter on the phone that I knew it was time uh, to come back to WWE. And, you know, they were right. And it was the right time to return when I did. Royal Rumble tickets on sale 10 a.m. tomorrow. Tropicana Field in Tampa. You win the Rumble, you go to WrestleMania. In an ideal world, who's the dream WrestleMania opponent for Drew McIntyre? I don't care as long as I'm champion. Sounds like he's set for the title. Maybe I'll let him the Rumble as world champion like Brock did, except I'd actually win it and just sit in a chair in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania by myself and just go, sorry, guys, this is the main event. I won the Royal Rumble and I was champion, so you just have to watch me for 15 minutes, read a book or something. <laughs> and then before we let you go, we saw John Cena talk about that money in the bank. For you growing up as a wrestling fan, what would WrestleMania being in the UK mean to you one day? Unbelievable. Um, I didn't even think of it as an option growing up. Just like I never thought Clash of the Castle was an option. Like I remember doing interviews for that. It was like it's a dream scenario, but a dream I never thought of because I didn't think it was possible. And that would be the same case for a, for a WrestleMania. It'd be like a super dream that I didn't think would be possible, but looking at the way uh, the business has evolved and our business model now and how many international shows we do and how successful they are for the company. And the time difference isn't that bad in the UK. Like, I heard that for years and I complained and I complained and I complained. And then finally we got Clash of the Castle because I was like, we're doing a show in Australia. We've seen the time difference there. Don't be silly. We're doing a show in the UK. Uh, but now the idea of a mania is very much possible. I know how successful it would be um for the company but i know how amazing it would be for the fans and i know how much fun it would be for everyone around the world to watch because we know how crazy and fun and wild the uk fans are just take one second to watch clash not just my match but for the whole show just how wild they were from beginning to end and imagine that at wrestlemania 10 a.m eastern friday tickets on sale the royal rumble drew mcintyre will be the tropicana field in tampa drew thanks so much for the time and best of luck the rest of the year appreciate it buddy thank you for having me and i will chat to you Oh, how about that? WWE superstar Drew McIntyre on Good Karma Wrestling for the first time. Bro, you just have a way with these guests, just breaking them down, making them uh, newsworthy. How outstanding was that conversation? 
Yeah, you never know going into it, like how guarded they're going to be. They're on a you know a junket. They're talking to people. They're tired. And then when he started mentioning, this, I was like, oh, he's willing to talk about Matt Cardona. He's willing to talk about other companies. Mm. Just super chill guy. Call me buddy. We're buddies now. Me and Drew. <laughs> you found a friend. Yeah, Drew McIntyre. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> just as an aside, as we get ready for number two, I just want to just tell you that you know Nick Khan is a big influence in WWE in that. Even with Vince and his big, grand ideas of having big platforms for the WWE, it's Nick Khan that just says, yeah, you know what? We need to be in some of these baseball stadiums. Sure. You know, they're going to be in Tampa, St. Pete. I know you took a shot at the Rays, and rightfully so. Uh, but you know that this is going to pack the house. People will travel from all over the country, all over the world, to Tampa, St. Pete for this big event because this is a nice-sized stadium. Uh, there's concert there, uh, at, there at times at the Trop, right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I have friends down here. So from where I am, we're like three, four-hour drive over to Tampa, St. Pete area. I have multiple friends like, hey, I already purchased tickets. Like the pre-sale's been going on this week. It's general sale tomorrow. And they're pumped. Like, hey, I bought two. Like Christmas present for my son. Like they are excited to go because the Rumble's that one thing. Like many is a Super Bowl, but the Rumble's just so special. And it just draws everyone in. And that's going to be pretty fun in Tampa in January. Yeah, that's Gabe's favorite event. Like, yeah. He says WrestleMania is for the non-wrestling fan mm-hmm. and those just kind of helicopter in for the event. But right. he believes that the Royal Rumble is a real wrestling fan's event. And so that's great. You know, Nick Khan, hats off to him. Keep going to football and baseball stadiums and whatever you draw, you draw. But, I mean, this is going to be big. Royal Rumble was just, you know, a little thing in Albany, New York once, <laughs> once upon a time. And now it's a big tentpole event for WWE. Yeah, looking forward to it, Tampa. 10 a.m. Eastern, tickets on sale tomorrow on Ticketmaster. All right, after that explosive number one, let's go to number two here in our three count here on Good Karma Wrestling. All right, Pro Wrestling Illustrated released their women's 250, the top 10 for you. Number 10, Jordan Grace. Number nine, Camille out of the NWA. Number eight, Willow Nightingale. Number seven, Deanna Perrazzo out of Impact. Number six, Athena. Number five, Tom Nakano. Number four, Jamie Hayter. Three, Bianca Belair. Two, Julia out of Japan. And number one, Rhea Ripley. Did PWI get their women's 250 right? I think so. I like that top 10. Um, Jade Cargill, you didn't mention, correct? Correct. She was not top 10. Okay. Is it is that not a disconnect? Did she not do a lot for AEW for her time there? Yeah, I agree. And so the time frame is October of 22 to September of 23. So maybe the back end is when she was off. But like... We've talked about it. The character development, like, it was she's undefeated. Like, that was the story. So maybe that did hurt things, that overall you didn't have those banger of matches all year round to look at. I suppose that's the case. I mean, uh, here's the game, but that is that is on uh, AEW, though. Yes, you know? 100%. Now, listen. She was number 14, by the way. And so in revisionist history, it's not like AEW would have just brought in Jade the way WWE has brought in Jade. I mean, Jade's been on every show except main event so far. Uh-huh. I mean, she's You're not watching. She might have been. <laughs> no, no, no. Tazawa was not awed by <laughs> by Jade Cargill, but she's been on all the shows. So I think it creates again. This is why Triple H is very good with some of these stories. It creates the mystery of NXT, SmackDown, mm-hmm. Raw. Well, well, she she's showing up, but it's kept very old school in that regard. Very old school WWE. We're going to slowly introduce her to the audience, but where's she going to land? It sounds okay. like NXT to me. At least I think so. Um, but I but know. nonetheless, I just think that when I look at these 10, and this shows you, Brian, women's wrestling has come a long, long, yes. long way. And it's still got a ways to go. 
when I look at this women's top uh, 250, Rhea Ripley deserves to be number one. Hell, if you're doing it overall, she should be in the top 10. Yes, 100%. Think about what she is, really is the face of the Judgment Day, isn't she? Yeah, and that's the thing, to your point there about the growth of women's wrestling. The four horsewomen, this has been a decade of 250. First time ever, none of them in the top 10. And you look at where they are. Charlotte, the highest ranked at 21. Becky at 29. Bailey, 41. Mercedes, 61. So women's wrestling, that boom that we've seen was sort of on the backs of those four women. And now they're not even top 10. And that says a lot about women's wrestling in today's day and age. Yeah, Rousey's on that list. Roxanne yeah. Perez from NXT's on that list. Tiffany Stratton as well. They all helped make up 20 through the 30 spots. But let's kind of delve into that a little bit. Okay. Now, the four horsewomen come up in a promo every now and then from Charlotte. Yeah. Every now and then, right? And for a new audience, they don't really know what that is. Like, what, what's the four horsewomen? Sure. That? And then what is it without Mercedes? Why bring it up when Mercedes is not there? But, okay, fine. So I know I've seen this uh, this week on wrestling social media from wrestlers that say, oh, the PWI, it's so passe. No one really cares anymore. Old Bill after mags. Nobody really. They care. They care. Because 100%. even though they might be stick on, you know, they're paid and they're all good with their money and they have generational wealth, they do care about perception. And I would say that it says a lot in women's wrestling that we've come this far that Charlotte's not in the top 10, but Jordan Grace is. And she's right. Jordan Grace has wrestled her ass off for impact and in the indies. So she deserves that. You know, Athena is one of the best heels in AEW slash ROH that no one knows. She's doing yeoman's work in ROH. Unfortunately, no one's seeing it except me. I'm the one watching it, though, because I just think from from a character baby face in WWE to where she is now – I mean, she should be on dynamite, but I, look, it's crowded. Can't you, you, she can't be lost in the sauce, so I get that. Jamie Hayter deserves a poor for injury. The crowd pushed her into the championship. I yeah. feel like I pushed her in the championship. <laughs> when I talked to Tony Khan, I told him, I said, you know, in Chicago, you get two big pops. He goes, oh, I know what it is. I'm like, oh, do you? I said, it's Penta and Ray Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very good. And Jamie Hayter, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Because the crowd wanted Jamie Hayter to to do well, they they wanted her to break out of that uh, that threesome in that uh, that uh, faction she was in. So I um I find it's just interesting that there's a changing of the guard with the women's division. Yeah, and I think also looking at just outside the top ten, Oscar at eleven, Tony Storm at twelve. Tony Storm, we talked about it last week, like. She deserves an Emmy at this point. Like the silent films, like what she's doing, those advertisers should be paying extra for being a part of the picture and picture in her silent films. And she had some injury during this time, but like someone like that, that's doing the character development, but we also know what she can do in the ring. Like that's just awesome and fun to see. Let me ask you this, bro. It's, so who is in line to take that number one spot for the future? Cause there's some good names on there. What do you think? I mean, the one we've talked about a lot, I think you and I agree, number eight, Willow Nightingale. Like, she's still yeah. just waiting for that big win. She had that sort of big win in New Japan when Mercedes got hurt, but there's too much of her just being a filler in a title match. Like, she's facing um, Statlander on Saturday, battle the belts for the TBS title. She's not going to win that match. Like, she needs to have that big moment in AEW because everything she's doing, it works. Like, character-wise, She's got the fans behind her. She can go in the ring. I think she's sort of the next one because of how raw she is. I, I would say that. Um, 
you know, I think at some point that Jade Cargill, I think because you're in the WWE system, they're not going to keep her special. She's going to be right. out there a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, whatever they have planned for her, I think that that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, I just, I, I li- really love where the women's division is going across the board in wrestling because they've proven time and time again that you could be at the, at the top. Now, now here's another name. So Becky Lynch, right? Mm-hmm. Can, we can agree that Becky Lynch is top three, top five babyface in the company. Yeah. We can agree with that, right? 100%. She went, she went from a heel, which we thought that was ill-advised at the time, and now she's back to being a babyface, being herself. Um, I, I could see her with a renaissance as well. She still is the man. She still does with regular merchandise. I don't think people are tired of, of seeing Becky Lynch. From her time away and then coming back, people love her. Yeah, and I think the the angle now of her taking on NXT talent is going to be great for them. Whoever beats her will get that moment. And speaking of NXT, we raved about the match between her and Tiffany Stratton. Like, what's next for Tiffany? Like, do we see her on the main roster? Do we see her get a run? Because we're not watching NXT Weekly, but you and I both were hooked by watching that match against Becky. It's like, all right, there's something there right now. It is a safe space for, talk, for us to talk about NXT because game time. <laughs> we, can, we can discuss it, right? He's not around. I watch when I see the reviews on Twitter and I see people raving about a match. I'm like, all right, I can fast forward through that. Still not watching <laughs> weekly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, me either. I mean, that, and there's a reason, right? Because, again, it's about wrestling bandwidth. We can be able to support a company by reading about it and reading the headlines more so than like, all right, plot down the couch on a Tuesday. Let's take right. a like, look, I got to watch low-level college football. I don't have time for <laughs> So I got to watch Sam Houston State. I got no yeah. time for any Tough loss last night. You can't lose to FIU. Bad job by them. <laughs> I watched that game. I watched that game. And guess who's the guy that had Sam Houston plus one? Uh, no, minus one. Me. Me. Uh. FIU all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. Bad call in fourth down. I watched that. Um, <laughs> FIU snuck out of there with the victory. Nonetheless, though, like, I don't, like, we don't, we have very little wrestling yes. bandwidth. So, but Tiffany Stratton, it's a great name because. You would think, oh, if you just give women time, you know, they'll be able to put on bangers. No, everybody just can't put on a banger. I, you see Tiffany Stratton, you think, boy, you can't, you can't punch her. You can't because she'll just break, right? right? No, she showed, I guess, Becky Lynch that she belongs on the main roster. Yep, 100% agree. So I'm excited to see what the future is there. So a lot of promise, and it's pretty cool to see this list come together and see some of the different names on there. All right. Uh, we've gone from one with two great interviews. We've got the women, and now what's number three? All right, we saw Gunther on Monday defend his title successfully against Bronson Reed. Roman Reigns makes his return to SmackDown in the season premiere. Which title change down the line will mean more, Roman or Gunther? Okay, the more and more that we watch Roman in the back, right, not even coming out, and it comes out very rarely, in the back with Heyman, in the back with uh, one of the Usos and Solo Sokoa, it's like, Hey, man, are you going to defend your championship? Are you just a character or are you a champion? To the point where I think that it is, for, from a wrestling data standpoint, there needs to be a huge asterisk. Like this whole thing, passing up Bruno San Martino for a longtime heavyweight champion. Well, I mean, you've murkied the waters because Seth Rollins is one of the heavyweight champions, <laughs> and you're just chilling. You're just stopping by every now and then for a tentpole event. You're, you are what people hated about Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. As much as the the bloodline story is cool, and that you know that we see Roman Reigns out there and he pops a rating, bottom line is, man, is that if you're not doing multiple promos on a weekly basis, at least being in the public eye, people forget about you. Yeah, 
people forget about you. I don't. We get to the point, bro, it's where we don't even consider him heavyweight champion. It's like universal champion of some distinction, right? Right. Seth, Seth's the champion to me. So for Gunther, and I, I just love this is Triple H. Is all Triple H looking at Gunther and says, "This guy's lost weight. This right. guy is is never hurt. He puts on bangers of matches. He makes the the company better. He makes his opponents better." I think that whoever beats Gunther is is going to be really huge for the company. Intercontinental Championship doesn't seem secondary to me when you see Gunther out there because he's suited and booted. He looks good. His promo's gotten much better. He's with Imperium. Not a, a dominant group, but he's ahead of it. I think it's Gunther. Yeah, so this is where I'm torn. Like, from a wrestling standpoint, whoever beats Gunther, it's going to mean a lot. He has not lost in a singles match in terms of, like, non-DQ, non like, he hasn't been pinned since he's been called up on the main roster. And he's got this long IC title run. Before that, he was the NXT UK champion for a very long time. The man rarely loses. And this isn't one of those streaks where we mentioned Jade. We saw with Goldberg where it's just squash matches every week. He's out there. He's wrestling. We're getting to see talent like the, you know, we might see Johnny Gargano, the Bronson Reeves, the Chad Gables. They're like, all right, there might be something there. We might actually see them win. And it's being an amazing match because of that. I'm just torn because I don't know if the title still means anything once he drops it or if it just becomes another prop and just another throwaway title. That's my only concern with whoever eventually beats him. But, you know, you got to lose it at some point. Sure. It's not, I'm not saying the audience gets bored because clearly the WWE is doing fine financially. It's not right. like oh, Gunther's in the card. Well, I'm not going. You're definitely going because he is an attraction. Yes. He's an attraction and a champion at the same time. He's out there every week busting his ass. He's He has the workhorse championship. He's got the Ricky Steamboat, Tito Santana, Randy Savage, Rick Rude, whatever you want to say, the workhorse champion every night out there defending the title every week. And I'm never tired of him because I'm a big fan. When he was Volter, I'm watching him. I was like, I never, he was like a young Andre. <laughs> Andre used to look like that, by the way, before he blew up. He was, you go back and look at the old footage from France when, you know, when uh, Andre was stomping grapes for a living before he get, became a wrestler. Let me tell you something, bro. It's, he looked just like Gunther. And so, okay, let's go through some contenders. So why can't Sami Zayn be the Intercontinental Champion? But that's the thing. So that's where Roman muddies the water. Like, if you take some of these guys that Roman's being that weren't good enough to beat Roman, does it feel like a step down? Like, I, at this point, almost think it needs to go the other way. Why can't Gunther beat Roman? because <laughs> that's too real for Roman. That's too much That's too much strain. That's too much pain for Roman. Are you kidding me? You, do you, let me ask you, so are you saying tonight that you want Gunther to be the universal champion? Is that what you want? I'm feeling pretty close to that, because, like, if it has to fit that WWE mold, like, my ultimate dream is still Sammy as world champion. I've sort of given up on that. That is never going to happen. This feels possible. That, like, they've built him into such a star that he never loses if he beats the guy who's never actually on TV but also doesn't lose. Because Roman, when he's winning, is getting help. Gunther's Mm -hmm. not getting help. He's just going out there doing his thing and winning. Like, Mm -hmm. this seems like a legit champ and, like, would feel like even more of an impactful title change. Who's the babyface? Right. So that's, I guess, Gunther. You can start flipping him that way. You're going to cheer the Austrian over Roman Reigns. Wow. (laughs) 
What, what is this now? It's what 2023. It's all right. <laughs> That's right. 1983, that would have been uh, taboo. Can't, yes. You can't boo the non-American. You know, you can't uh, cheer the non-American. Yes. That's fair. But, like, to Roman, like, there's just so few fresh options. Like, whoever beats Roman, if it ends up being Cody, it's like, well, we should have seen that a year ago. Like, there, we, I don't think LA Knight's going to be that guy. Like, I don't see what that big moment is. Yes, it'll matter. It'll be important when Roman wins. But I don't see who that person is. Okay. So, if that's Cody Rhodes on his way to telling the story, is that a bad thing? Yeah, it just feels like a letdown. Like, why not do it last year? Okay. What about Bobby Lashley? <laughs> no? That's right. You don't like that. Bobby. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like Bobby Lashley. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Bobby Lashley. By the way, uh, just as an aside, speaking of Bobby Lashley, you will hear from Angelo Dawkins from the WWE. That's going to be next week yep. on Good Karma Wrestling. So we're rolling through some great guests. We'll hear from Angelo Dawkins. And so you have every opportunity, bro, to ask <laughs> Angelo Dawkins why Bobby Lashley's washed. Ask him. <laughs> I double dare you. You love to ask a tough question on this show. Ask him. There you go. Let's see what I can do. You know the dream match, and I know a lot of people won't get this. Only you and I would get this. And I don't know if he's ever going to get called up or when he's going to get called up, but you know that Gunther against Dragunov would be it, right? I mean, you talk about a powerful match for those who have never seen it. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. NXT UK, during the pandemic, nobody there. It's Dragunov as the, the NXT champion now, but at the time, He's competing with Volter in NXT UK. It's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Now, it's not hyperbole. You know, if I say it, it must be <laughs> unbelievable. Let me tell you something, bro. It's, I mean, if you're trying to chop down Gunther, that's the kryptonite right there. Dragging off against Gunther, there's money in that. Well, that's the thing you say. We might not see it. I wouldn't rule it out because the way they've been treating the IC title is we're getting to see some of these guys get opportunities. Like, Chad Gable in a marquee match and a marquee angle is not something you would have expected a year ago. So no. if there's some sort of one-off, if Dragunov's still the NXT champion, like, I think we could see that on TV or on a pay-per-view. And that would uh, sign me up. Could you help me remember, have we seen Brock Lesnar against Gunther? No. Did we see them in the Rumble? Because remember we have the Rumble run also. Mm. I don't know. Like, of course, Lesnar would do this as a part-timer. Right, he took on Gunther, but I think that along the way, Gunther should beat Brock Lesnar. Sure, I think he should. But I mean, that's to me main event uh, night one WrestleMania to me. I'd be fine with that. And last year sort of set the precedent. You know, we, the tag titles main event night one. And if this truly is Hunter's WWE, I wouldn't rule off the IC title main eventing a night of Mania. This is a great time for wrestling, only in this regard, bro. It's you know there was a time that. If, say, for instance, Gunther lost a championship to, I don't know, uh, Drew McIntyre or or, just, or even Sami Zayn, right? Sure. You had to depend on TV and, and to drive the tickets to see the live event, right? Right. Where it's like, oh, you know, Gunther, he lost the championship to Sami Zayn, and then they would look at the sheet the week after, like, wait, the attendance is down. <laughs> Sami's the champion. No one wants to see that. But... Gunther as the champion back in the day. Oh, you got to see that because everyone wants to, wants to see him get his ass beat. Right. Now, in today's, in 2023 in WWE, or in wrestling in general, come see WWE. And Gunther might be on the card. Okay, we'll just go see WWE. But, 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 but back in the day, you had to have a specific match, specific night on a card, 
and then you see Gunther. If Gunther would lose a championship and then, like, a babyface would beat him, and then you see the attendance, like, where's the house? Where are the right. people? Because people want to see Gunther uh, lose. He did lose. And now people don't want to see the babyface win. Well, listen, because we're getting to see him on TV, we're getting to see these matches, there still is that intrigue. Whereas Roman, the long run is there, but we're not seeing him. And it's just one-off matches here and there. Like, the intrigue's not there for me right now when it comes to Roman. It's not. And by the way, with Gunther, it's not booing. It's just um, there's yeah. a respect there from the audience, isn't there? There's somewhat of a respect. Right, which is the weird part. Like, he's not getting cheered. He's not one of those cool heels. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there isn't that crazy heat either. I just think there's respect for the guy because when he wins, it's dominant. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't win with the same pinfall. Right. <laughs> That's the thing, too. It's always different. So, you know, it's a great question. There's plenty of contenders. Yeah. But you, got, but you have to be careful of your Triple H. If you got a one dominant champion in Roman Reigns and another dominant champion in Gunther, at some point, you don't want to get stagnant. You got to be able to mix that up at some point. I don't mean the hot potato tag team championship. I don't mean that, but you got to do something to just make it seem like, hey, we have strong contenders that actually can win. And so that's, I think that's very paramount for them. Yep, I agree. All right. So we will go now to um, our next segment. Let's do some news and notes. (laughs) Yes. And that'll be news and notes because we got a ton of those. Yes. All right, you mentioned earlier Ring of Honor. They announced this week their third and final pay-per-view of the year, Final Battle. It'll take place Friday, December 15th in Garland, Texas. It was rumored earlier in this week that it was going to be at the Manhattan Center. This will be their first one since Death Before Dishonor back in July, which was in New Jersey. Saw Athena and Willow main event that show. Oh, that's going to be cool. I'll, I'll definitely be watching. Listen, I've been watching ROH, and I just think that, again, if you're just looking for pure wrestling, they got it. You know, yeah. and, and so... Again, there's still a need for Ring of Honor to have a platform for everyone to watch outside of Honor Club. But for us, I'm watching it. I just think that's going to be great. What, what's the venue again? It's going to be where? Garland, Texas. They've been there before. Garland, Texas. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's a, but at that's... least they're like notice on this one. I feel like in the past, some of these ROH pay-per-views, it's, hey, in two weeks, catch the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So yeah. two months in advance. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be good, and and the matches are gonna pay off too. Right, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. And then of course, you know, Athena's should be in the semi main to me because I think that she's been great. And then of course, you know, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> you uh, let me ask you real quick: Do you think that the general audience understands Eddie Kingston? Do you think that that is more Japan AEW, or do you think the general audience respects Eddie Kingston in his story? I think there's something to relatability. Like, he's not, you know, a Vince body guy. I think there's something to, like, all right, he's going to put on his ball cap, he's going to go out there, he's going to curse, and he's going to want to fight. Like, I think there's something to that with the audience. Nothing like the New York ball cap <laughs> as a champion, right? Not the corporate champion, because you, you could do the old Austin thing all over again yeah. with them if, they had, if you had a heel GM. But, yeah, he's, he's who he is. I think that's very authentic. Time to expand your wrestling bandwidth. House of Wrestling reporting that the NWA has agreed to two TV deals for 2024 with the CW Network. The deal will include their weekly power show and also a weekly reality show about the company. Well, that's Billy Corrigan being able to stretch finally. Stretches, kind of flexes muscles like, hey, I'm Billy Corrigan and I can be able to provide some for you. Now, again, there has to be some kind of relationship because I don't know what he could have showed CW. Like, here's our action in AC. Tyrus's ass is NWA champion, right? I don't understand that. It's too bad. It's too bad that this contract and this whole deal didn't happen during the Nick Aldis 
Cody uh-huh. Rhodes during that time. The 10 pounds of gold thing. I wish it was during that time. I don't know what they're selling now, but I disagree with Dave Meltzer when he says, well, you know, we only have four shows that's really drawing an audience. This show could draw an audience, but you got to produce it right, and you got to tell stories. they got a lot of work to do. I mean, they have some talent on the roster, but it just can't be a wrestling show. It's got to be unique. Well, it's interesting. So Women of Wrestling, which is on CW, I have it in my DVR. I couldn't tell you when it actually airs, but it <laughs> airs on the CW, and they're out drawing impact most weeks because saw- CW is a little easier to find. Well, why aren't you watching Women of Wrestling? What are you doing there? I don't know. I'm getting bandwidth. There's only so much time. Like Once we get out of football season, maybe I'll watch some more episodes. <laughs> I, I I can tell you that yes, it's on my DVR. It's on Saturday night to six central. Oh, okay. On the CW, and there's a replay also. Hmm. But I I I can't say that I'm watching it though because I know it's there. I understand it's there. I have seen it a couple times. It's a little bit campy, like the old Glow Show. Okay. It feel, it, like the ring is really really tiny. I'm like, are they really wrestling? <laughs> like the ring, it doesn't look like an AEW or WWE ring when it's real small. And the ropes seem bouncy, like they're in a bounce house. Right, that's a that's a problem. But people are watching, like, and maybe that's just because of the accessibility of CW. But people are watching. Men are horny. <laughs> All right. Now, don't forget about that that factor. Uh, I know that won't be in the the you know the review of the ratings, but you have to be able to have the ratings of men are horny for very attractive women wrestling. I just checked my DVR up down here in South Florida. Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern is when we catch that show. Oh. So. Well, it's, a, it's a decent yeah. – I mean, listen, if you just run into it, it's not a bad time. And, yeah. and by the way, because of CW, I, don't, I think you get this as well. It might be 2 o'clock, but that thing's preempted because there's college <laughs> football in the CW. Have you seen That's this? <laughs> I think I saw Louisville on there last week <laughs> on the CW. So they might be preempted and pushed to a different time. But, you know, but again, in all seriousness – Good for NWA. Good for them that they were able to find themselves a TV deal. I don't know about the 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 other deal with the reality show. It's yeah. almost passe now. I don't know why you need that. But the wrestling, it's important for them to have a platform. And, and also, I saw that uh, Corrigan was ripping YouTube, saying that YouTube does not give the true number anymore. He did. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's something to blame. I don't know. Like, But like you said, he sold the network on something, so... We'll see. I mean, Finally, news and notes. Goldberg in an interview with Chicago Sports Podcast was asked about today's product versus the past. Said, quote, they're doing a damn good job. It's just they're not that deep. Talking about the current state of pro wrestling. Yes, I saw that. And my response to that was, yes, <laughs> they would be deeper if I was on the roster. Right. That's the weird thing. Like, you look at the message, and it's stuff that you and I have talked about and we've talked about on this show where it's like, hey, let's get some more storytelling but when it comes from that guy, you sort of lose some legs a little bit. He just wants to be loved again. And it's like, <laughs> your day's done, man. You've ruined it in Saudi Arabia. Yep. You almost killed The Undertaker. <laughs> so when he get says ready for his not, final match at some point. Yeah, when he says he, he, he doesn't have a lot of – there's not a lot of depth, he means he should be on one of those rosters. And it's like, right. I know he's in great shape, but he can't get it done anymore. So what you need is ride back against Goldberg someplace. In That's some right. Indie. And they, they could both end it. They could both end their wrestling careers all at the same time. Ryback said it'll be the greatest ever. Can't deny that. Okay. You put it in some high school gym <laughs> that draws 500 people, and that'll be all she wrote. That's all we need. 
It's amazing. All right, let's get to our matches of the week before we have to put Goldberg and Rye back in there. Okay, matches of the week. And again, you know, you know, once upon a time on this show, it was just match of the week, match. One match, and then the show would be over. But no, here's an extra 30 minutes for you, everybody. It's match of the week. We try to keep it to three. God. Danielson against Christian on Collision. Yep. Toledo, Ohio. Good crowd, by the way, in Toledo. It's very um, – they don't get a lot of acclaim very much. That's really a C town, but they got wrestling on a Saturday night. Danielson and Christian showed the young people in the back how to wrestle and how to be able to tell a story. Yeah. No, it was unbelievable. The two of them, like, you're curious of what they were going to do when Danielson ended up becoming the number one contender, but just two guys that know how to deliver is what happened. Gunther against Bronson Reed. Hundred percent. Okay, that was on Monday Night Raw. Again, just shows you Gunther is just a, amazing. Again, a small, a big, somewhere in the middle. He finds a way to be able to put bangers on. Usos, uh, Uso and Rhodes against Waller and Austin Theory. I thought that was an excellent match on SmackDown. Okay, I'm fine with that. All right, so I try to limit it to three. There's a lot more. There's like 18 more, but. You give us some, please. All right. So I'll, I'll throw a couple maybe honorable mentions if you want to talk about Ricochet versus Nakamura. Like, it's still odd to me to see Nakamura elevated and doing good things on TV. Yeah. And it just, and by the way, that speaks to, to Raw. Raw yes. was a hell of a wrestling show on Monday. Hell yes. of a wrestling show. Another one sort of outside looking in. I think it was a good chance to showcase new talent. Samoa Joe versus Willie Mack on Saturday. <laughs> I watched it and it's just kind of like what I was thinking was I was like okay so Willie Mack comes through the back door is like I'm gonna take it on Samoa Joe right okay so are you leaving now Willie Mack are you right. part of ROH like it, it just kinda, he just kinda came out of nowhere two veterans that know exactly what they're doing it was a really good match all right so my third one that I've, so I have Gunther Bronson Brian versus Christian Kenny Omega versus Kyle Fletcher last oh. night like Kyle Fletcher is about to sort of break off. You might have to kiss goodbye to off the open because as Fletcher gets this sort of singles run, people are going to say, like, this guy doesn't really need to do tag team wrestling. Maybe he's a singles guy. Like, Danielson, Omega, like, the guy's delivering right now. It, it was great that Kenny Omega was in the ring doing Kenny Omega things. Uh-huh. He, 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 he only knows one speed. There yeah. is no half-ass Kenny Omega match. He's not going to – even for TV – he goes, yeah, I'll go out there, but I need 20 minutes. I need time to really get out there and do it. And he made Kyle Fletcher. Yeah. That, that match told me afterwards was like, okay, they believe in Kyle Fletcher as a singles. Um, because usually when that's in that situation, the single that's usually in tag team wrestling is a little bit it's like a half speed off or sure. you know maybe a, a step off. Man, that told me all I need to know about Kyle Fletcher. What a fantastic match between Omega and Fletcher. And Kenny did drop it to the camera. I'm too old for this shit after doing something over the top rope. So that's always entertaining. Also. <laughs> Let's stop doing it then. <laughs> stop doing it if it hurts you, for God's sakes. So, um, yeah, that's it for matches of the week. Yeah, I mean, all those are good. I, I thought that both shows were good. I think Raw is one of the best Raws we've seen in a long time because there was a lot, no, hardly any fluff and a lot of solid wrestling. That tells you that's a Triple H show right there. And then from uh, at Rosenberg, Texas, um, which I thought was interesting because it, it, I looked it up. It's 45 minutes outside of Houston. Yeah. And I'm like, boy, the Astros are playing against this. And it, it, like, it didn't stop the crowd. And it was the crowd somewhat quiet here and there. Yeah, I think they got into the Kenny Omega match. Sure. You know, and it, it was a new building, too. 
and then and, and a new wrestling city uh, i i went back in my rolodex bro and said like <laughs> rosenberg texas rosenberg never never i've never seen wrestling there the show though i don't know like maybe it was just for me like just the main event and that feeling at the end of the night like the battle royal where like you know who it's gonna be like two guys out of the 12 like it's just a bunch of random like all right this guy's not winning like that just sort of takes away from it. There have been rave reviews. It was taped last night. Mystico coming in, taking on Rocky Romero. A big deal in Mexico, a new deal between AEW and CMLL. So you have that to look forward to on Friday in Rampage. Wild idea as we close. Why don't you have like Los, it was it Los Ingravenales? Yeah. Right, that, those guys. Why don't you have them and just the Kingo and all those guys and just let them all just take over Rampage? That's like fine. an all-Mexican wrestling rampage. Why not? You have nothing to lose at this point. Rocky Romero. There's like all those guys, right? Because I saw the vignettes, and I'm like, well, these guys are not going to get real t- television time. Andrade, just put right. them all on Friday night and just have like a Friday night, the best of Mexican wrestlers in AEW, CMLL, and just try to pop a rating. Almost do what WWE tried to do with like 205 Live. Yeah, where like people are like, oh, if you want to find that stuff, it's all right there. You know what you're getting with that show. Like, why not? So it makes the show not skippable if you do that. Just right. a wild idea. Tony would never do it, but I think that that really works. By the way, uh, as an as a side note, uh, a quick, cheap Mick Foley plug. <laughs> uh, Saturday morning, I'll be on Busted Open. There we on, go. Yeah, on Sirius XM uh, Fight Nation, I'll be teamed with the great Denise Salcedo. Okay, I'll be in, and I'll be in for Mark Henry, uh, the world's strongest man. So, a little good karma wrestling love. Uh, Bound for Glory on... pre-show, huh? Bound for Glory pre-show. <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sadly, yes. Um, and also, by the way, not only that, just not only that, but also a three-hour was a collision at, oh, and that's uh, right. battle the belts. Battle of the belts. Yeah, you got. Orange versus someone. I think it's what Kip Sabian or yeah. John Silver or something. Uh, trios titles on the line against the former Jericho Appreciation Society. Statlander versus Willow again. Oh man! Three hours of wrestling Saturday night. So if you're around Saturday eight to eleven a.m. Central, I'll be on Busted Open on SiriusXM Fight Nation. All right. Awesome. So we've had two great guests. Let people know. Like, share, and subscribe. Good Karma Wrestling on YouTube as well. And don't forget on uh, X Twitter as well at GKW underscore wrestling. So that's right. You got right there. YouTube.com slash wrestling. that scan the QR code, subscribe. We got all those interviews, Angelo Dawkins next week. Like they're saying some stuff. You're going to see the links out there. Like, Oh, I heard about that in good karma wrestling. Go back, watch the show, see the clips, comment, subscribe, do your thing. Yes. And we're going to, for, Flash photo photography will wait for you to go to that QR code. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right there. Make sure you hit that. Go ahead. We're going to be off in 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. For Brian Rowitz, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for checking out Good Karma Wrestling. Uh, We'll join you next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So long, everybody.